0: This message is brought to you by Heartland Family Fellowship. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. We thank you for listening in on our podcast, and hope that the Lord does bless you as you listen today. We want to welcome our online listeners. We are now talking about our theme for the week, and that is people with pride tend to show outward humility until they are stressed then become overwhelmingly demanding lie to protect their already damaged reputation and thus become people of betrayal betrayal is the final action from a reaction so is betrayal a demonic evil word no it is not we are called by god to betray the world before it influences betrayal on us to betray body members in Christ. The way you destroy the church is you destroy marriages. The way you destroy marriages is to destroy families. Satan always works from the bottom up through creation, the dog, the apple, to Eve, because there was no children at the time, to Adam to get to God. And that's the way it works. The way God works is God to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, to the elders of the church, to government leaders, to the husband, to the wife, to the children, to the dog. It is not insultive for me to be quite a ways down on the ladder. It is humble ability, as the young man said. It is a great position to be the position you have been ordained to function within, within God's design. If you fight position, you will switch betrayal from betraying the world to the betrayal of the world of Jesus Christ come upon you. And you will betray the church, body members of Christ. It's just, look around, it's everywhere. People of humility and brokenness continue to be broken... Under new venues of stress, because they know that insults, persecutions, and distresses produce more power from the Lord. Where is that found? Therefore I, Paul, am well content with insults, persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. That is Second Peter chapter twelve, primarily verses seven through eleven. It's the passage on the thorn in the flesh, the weaknesses. Uh, Corinthians, what did I say? Oh, yes, thank you for the correction. That is second Corinthians chapter twelve verses seven through eleven. The whole passage is that correct? Ah, okay, so that's a good passage too <laughs> so very critical is that uh, paul 's conclusion after he appealed to the Lord, "Please, please take this problem away from me." He was able to not go to the person and try to change the circumstances. he is able to go to God and say, uh, "Please, please." The appeal was to God, and Jesus said, "Oh Paul." well, literally, he said, "My grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness." So Paul was a bragger. We're assuming that was his big fleshly habit because he talks about it so much. But he says, Okay, I'd rather boast about my infirmities, weaknesses, trashing of, of who I am. Then he says, Therefore I'm well content. And I already told you the Hebrew word picture for that Greek passage is sitting in a tent and whatever the condition of the tent is, is he's okay with it. And I got a feeling at this point in Paul's life his tent was probably pretty ripped up. And he said, "I am and what rips up Paul's tent? Verse 10 says, "Therefore I am well content with insults, persecutions, distresses with difficulties, For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Well, that's that's huge to me. Because I spent my whole life trying to be strong, strong, strong. I've been told to be strong, strong, strong. So whenever I'd get in conflict, it was that strong, 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 instead of backing off and leaving it alone. And let God be God of the universe. Even in my life. Verse 11 is now our reputation verse. And someone want to read verse 11 of our passage? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. Powerful. Absolutely powerful passage. Here Paul is saying, Hey, look, I I should have been commended by y'all. But... Oh, by the way, I'm not even inferior to, to these super apostles. I'm not inferior to these great apostles out there. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm not second best. I'm among the best of the best. Now, if Paul would have stopped there, we'd go, there he goes again. He sure learned his lesson of, of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. through. No, he did learn his lesson. He said he finished it off with, Even though I am a... Nobody. Nobody in the Greek there is a man without reputation. Reputation is a nice word. It's not a nasty word. Reputation means you have a name. You've established a name. So a bad reputation is your name has been damaged. So reputation is a good word that is being used in the Greek here. So he is nobody, therefore he has no reputation your average person would look at Paul and go, you don't have a reputation? They wouldn't agree with him. Because he was the chief Pharisee. He was known worldwide as the best Pharisee that ever lived. And even bragged about it, if you remember, one too many times. Until God blew him off the horse and blinded him. Made him less than human for a while so he couldn't run around and act like he was the chief Pharisee anymore. Until God got a hold of him. Okay. How to empty reputation. These essential identity and nature of redemption. New reputation. Is a direct reflection of the humble state of Christ within each indwelt Christian. So the key there is that I don't need to practice humility. I don't need to act like it. I don't need to study about it. It is a he. He is in me he has already humbled himself and dwelt me, so I just need to let the he be the humble one through me. If uh, you're able to follow that sequence there. He became nothing in order to be all. He resigned himself with his will and power in order for the Father to display his all. So for Jesus' to say, I do nothing on my own initiative, but what you see me do is under the initiative of my Father. I say nothing of my own words or choosing, depends on your translation, but on the choosing or the words of my Father. It actually kind of sounds like Jesus is a puppet. The answer to that question is, yes. He is a pure vessel for his Father. So when a human says, I won't be a pure vessel for Jesus Christ on earth, we then then we have issues we are being even higher than Jesus Christ John five forty three says I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me if another comes in his own name you will receive him Jesus is not even coming in his own 227 names he's coming in the name of his father which by the way and I I know that there's posters out there that say a lot more but most Hebrew scholars will say God only has 23 names I say 43 but 43 23 it's still less listed than Jesus Christ so the man without the reputation Jesus got most of the names which means reputation in Hebrew I've come in my husband's reputation and when you greet me you don't greet me, but rather my husband Jesus. If I came in my own reputation, we will both be disappointed. So that's my paraphrase for me. As you know, I pray through the scripture and I say, God, give me give me a statement for my feeble brain. And this is the statement of God saying to me, is that I am not here for my name. I am here for my husband's name, Jesus Christ. If I try to represent anyone else's name, including mine, I am going to create dis-slash-appointment, meaning people are going to feel that they're they're not attending the appointment of my doctrines. That's what it means, disappointment. You're missing the mark. I am causing people to feel like they're missing the mark. And the fact is, I have missed the mark, and that, as you know, is the Greek definition of sin, missing the mark, or falling short of the mark. So I am promoting sin when I represent my own name. My name must, that I represent must be the name of the living God. Now through Jesus Christ. Have you ever asked yourself the question why God normally renames everyone who's been born again? particularly back then, we don't, it's not a practice we do today, unless you're orthodoxy Jew who becomes a messianic Jew, they, the parents will give you another name. So it was a practice that God used a lot, is renaming you. So if you connect the dots, it's pretty an ABC thing right now. Names are very, 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 very important to God. They're absolutely very important to God. What name you believe you are representing is the behavior you will exhibit. So therefore, if I believe I'm representing my name, I will exhibit Steve Finney behavior and disappoint people. So when you see me, you should be seeing Jesus. When I see you, I should be seeing Jesus. Therefore Jesus answered him and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. This just blows me away. This is Jesus Christ. I mean, Paul obviously got it. It's red letters when Jesus said, My grace is sufficient for you. Of course, that was 91 years after Jesus died. This This is a real personal appointment going on here. A very significant message that Paul had to understand. So, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees his father doing for whatever the father does. These things the son also does in like manner. The number one problem that we have in our church today, as I shared with you earlier, is children not wanting to be discipled. Spiritual children. They don't want to be discipled. They don't want to do what their mentor does. Remember when Paul got, it appears he got a little frustrated with the people and he just said, just do as I do. See, they weren't getting it. So he just said, just do what I do. Well, I've never worked today. Can everyone else do their own thing because they have created their own thing, their own dimension of the church, the own dimension of Christianity, their own dimension of their own walk. Everything's independent. So to say Jesus wouldn't even do anything unless he saw his father doing it? Well, that's just puppetry. That's what that is. That's a doormat. That's a zombie. I really want to do God. i do it. No, this is the greatest blessing of inheritance to do what your spiritual father does. To do what Jesus does, hopefully is what your spiritual father does. The accountability factor comes into place when someone is depending on you. Can you imagine your children depending on you as parents? No. Most families can't, can't imagine that today. So children don't depend on their parents. Not in our culture today. I'm sorry, they don't. The latchkey thing that happened in the 70s, oh, that was nothing compared to today. Would Jesus say there's going to come a day when children will rise up and kill their parents? That day's not coming. That day is here. Because they're independent, they're saying, I will not follow you. So why is family integration important? I call that a duh. It is the attack from Satan. It is working. It is destroying the church. It is destroying the nation. It is destroying the name of God, the reputation of God. Not really, but it is the attempt. Because God is going to come back and destroy the reputation of the Antichrist who always acting like an angel of light. That day is coming. I think he knows it. Listen carefully. The bride of Christ can do nothing of herself unless it is something she sees her husband doing. That's Jesus Christ, of course. Unless it is something she sees her husband doing through her. For whatever he does, these things she also does because she is the vessel. Well, my mentor, one of my mentors, have done actual surveys with their mailing list of how many truly understand this statement 2% responded with appropriate scriptural responses of Christ in you Christ the husband lives in the bride the bride can actually hear Christ in her head very few get it that's why J.I. Packer in a email that I got from him several years ago, he said, keep preaching this. It is a truth that is being forgotten and rarely is taught in the church today. The bride of Christ, the husband, the groom, the bride, and that whole teaching of the dynamics between a husband and wife. So why wouldn't the enemy get in there to mess that concept, beliefs, doctrines up between those two? Well, it is the absolute perfect place to attack the body of Christ marriages I can do nothing on my own initiative as I hear I judge and my father and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will but the will of him who sent me conversion paraphrase as a bride I can do nothing on my own initiative or reputation as he hears in me his judgments are just because he does not seek his own reputation, but the will and reputation of the Father. So therefore, when someone slaps my reputation down, my response honestly should be, thank you. That's normally not my response. My normal response is, oh, you want to fight? <laughs> then it's word for word. You know, a proverb says, For a man entangles himself with too many words. Well, that's Steve Finney. That's one of my defenses. There is so much based on I look bad here that all Satan has to do is ruin a guy's reputation and the church falls apart. Or minimally it'll split and the righteous group will go off and start another branch. That's That's how we do it. I don't like you. So therefore, we're going to take five of the members and we're going to go start another church. That's why we have, like I said last Sunday, 3,002 registered churches in America. Not registered churches, registered denominations. And that is the. I think that's the statement of Jesus about please pay special attention to the widows and the orphans and the lowly because they really don't have a reputation. There's really no name. Oh, have you heard the lowly beggar on 4th Street? You know, oh, I got some wonderful things to share with you about his life. No, it's usually that rotten beggar. They don't even know his name, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And God lifts those guys out of the dust and ashes and, you know, they become great wives and husbands and leaders in the church. They did a survey. This was very interesting. When I was working on my uh, doctorate for the leadership thing, uh, they did a survey on the top 100 corporate or corporations, like old school corporations, the Honeywell, the, you know, those old guys been around for a while. And they wanted to know what the, the, the social background familiar, which means family, social background was for these corporate leaders. And that came back as well over 90% of these CEOs who started these huge corporations that are very successful today came from abusive backgrounds. Now, what that what that kind of tells us is that they felt like they were being told that their failure is their whole life. That something snapped in them and said, "I'm going to prove that I am not a failure." So many of our successes in our society, business-wise, are a result of someone making that statement to themselves. I would like to find out if that's the case with some of the megachurches and big churches or just pastors in general, how many of them came from abusive backgrounds that say, I will not be treated this way anymore. They make a Godship statement and assert themselves as self-successors. Could be, I don't know. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will. This is John 6.38 for our listeners. But the will of him who sent me. And then our paraphrase statement is, For I was not selected as his bride to display my own will and reputation, but the reputation of my husband, who bears the reputation of God the Father, or bears the name of God the Father the Father. Do you know that reputation, name-calling, is what motivates and moves this world? Now in Washington we called it name-dropping. They actually trained me in my protocol, political stuff, how to appropriately drop names to get into offices. To say, oh Senator Santorum mentioned in a meeting or I was speaking with the president last week they train you how to effectively name drop to open the door and it works because people associate benefits with the name So when you are feeling oppressed and you're saying, Oh, Jesus, dear Jesus, 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 you are shattering the foundation of the enemy just by saying the name because of his reputation. We drop names because of reputation. We should drop, see, you take the sin out of it and leave the righteous truth, and that is, be a name dropper of your husband. Because he was the name dropper of his father. John seven sixteen. So Jesus answered and said to them, My teaching is not mine. Not even his teaching was his. So when someone comes up and says, Oh, you have such a great teaching today. I really appreciate the words that you're, you know. Well, if I go, well, came through a lot of hard work and study. and Well, that might be true, but the teachings belong to Jesus. Christ in me, the mind of Christ in me. We just come up with cutesy little ways to put it on the screen to help it stay in your mind a little longer, is what we do. Paraphrase statement is: As a servant of the Word, my teachings are not coming from me, but from Christ within me, who only teaches the words of the Father. Jesus said in John 8:28, one of my favorite passages, which I have lots of them but this is one of them when you lift up the Son of Man then you will know that I am he and I do nothing on my own initiative but speak these things as the Father taught me the absolute perfect for me perfect passage of discipleship you see but it is also the opposite of what most people who refuse discipleship, say, I'm not following you. I'm not going to follow your words. I'm not going to follow whatever. Well, if I am a Christ as life preacher, teacher, discipler, it should be safe to say what Paul said. Well, just do what I do. And when you catch me in a sin, just confront me. You see, that that's kind of how it works. It's the way it always has worked. So Paul would talk to Peter, and Peter would talk to Paul, and you know, and, And they didn't always get their stuff worked out. Probably most of the time they didn't. But they had one common mission. Their husband. Paraphrase statement. When each bridal member is lifted up, then the world will know that we belong to him and that we do nothing on our own initiative and reputation, but seek or speak and do only the things he does through us, which his father told him to do. So we're now the trinity, the triunit, the third generation of the word of God. God the Father is the word, Jesus became the word and dwell among us so we could behold his glory so we could speak it. We are the triunit of the trinity of the word. God is the word, Jesus became the word, he lives inside of us, we speak the word. We're the vessel to have it spoken out. So if you're not into discipleship, and you're not into following in line with those who love Jesus Christ, you're in trouble. So am I. I need P.P. P. Thomas. I need the Chuck Solomons. I need these eight advisors I got. I have to have these people in my life so I can continually grow in the Word. Hebrew fact, we're almost done. For a wife to be free, she must know her husband. And if the husband is to be trusted he must do only that of what his father asks of him. Independent and arrogant men demand that their wives trust them, fully knowing they are living in betrayal of their father. Now, you can use this in the Trinity of the Word. It could be used the term Heavenly Father. You could use the term Earthly Father. And you could use the term Spiritual Father. So, when the last verse of the Old Testament comes into play, I know we canonized it to be the last verse, but it certainly works for the illustration. And Does anyone remember what the last verse in the Old Testament is? There shall come a day. When? It's my life verse. That's why it's easy for me. When he will restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite your land, or interpret it out as tribe, family. Smite your tribe with a curse. Tribe and land is the same word in the Hebrew. When you're a tribe, you have land. If you have land, you should have a tribe. So he's saying there will come a day when Elijah comes back and that is his number one focus is restoring the hearts of fathers to the children, children to the fathers. Lisa, come and wipe out your tribe. That's how important it is to him. So now, for a wife to be free, bride of Christ, for Steve Finney, Jane Finney, you, for us to be free as wives, as bridal members of Christ, we must know our husband, Jesus Christ. And if the husband, Jesus Christ, is to be trusted, which is kind of a, it's beyond an insult if we don't believe that Jesus Christ can be trusted, even though most of the time we behave like we don't trust him, he must do only what, Jesus must do only what his father asks him to do. You guys, here's the practical conclusion of all these verses I've posted for you today about Jesus and his dynamic relationship with his father. Is that he's saying here, don't trust Jesus unless you see him doing exactly what I do as the God of the universe. That was so critical for why Jesus had to learn obedience through the things that he suffered. He had to be 100% trustworthy as a husband for a bride to be given the command, you will submit to this man. How many women do you know, and I'm including me as a bridal member of Christ, how many women do you know want to submit to their husbands? I've met few. So for women to think, oh, it's about you know, women being looked down upon, well, what about the bride of Christ? What is said about a woman in the scriptures is being said about the bride of Christ. This is our conclusion today. Independent and arrogant bridal members or independent and arrogant fathers or husbands. Our whole series on arrogance and humility is now becoming so real in our core beliefs of discipleship It's incredible. It is credible. So independent and arrogant men demand that their wives trust them. Christ has the right to demand from Steve Finney to trust him. When I am struggling with something and in my prayer time Jesus says to me and I hear it in my ears, I write it in my my journal, trust me. He, you take the T off of trust and what do you get? Rust. Rust. If you don't trust me, you're going to rust, Stephen. That is a thing that God has said, and I've said it to my family a gazillion times. It's something that works in my mind. If you don't trust me, you will rust as a believer. Well, the reason why I can trust him, I think you got this point now. I'm overkilling it now. But the reason why I can trust him is because he does nothing as a husband without being under the discipleship of his father. And we think we have the power and arrogance to be able to step forward and say, I'll do my own thing. I'm afraid that's a killer. Golden key, Christ chose a life of entire self-abdication, one of absolute submission. And the thing is about submission used in the proper context and I'm going to use the most volatile submission verse known to Christianity, is on women. Wives, submit to your husbands. If you want to win them to the word because they're disobedient to the word, win them without a word by your just and pure behavior. Oh, great. So it's on me to get this guy straightened out? sub mission is a mission it's like a submarine anyone who has been in the Navy know don't fear the mother ship don't fear the arrogance on top of the water fear the nuclear submarines that are down below you have no clue where they're at and they are sub mission and they have to listen to Every command that comes from the ship that has the eyes. It is a perfect illustration of a wife or a bridal member of Christ submitting to their husband. Submission. i got to listen very carefully. Be still and know that I am God. I am the commander. I am your husband. I am, Stephen, the I am well I want to be on that mission and I'd love to be a nuclear submarine see what I'm saying that's what wise are they are very 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 powerful if they're used in the same mission God honored Jesus' trust thus doing all for him and then exalted him to his own right hand in glory thus getting 227 names given to him in the Hebrew and in the Greek Names is honor. So every time you say something nice about someone, you're actually granting them another name. You know, you're cool. That's a name. You're honored. That's a name. Beloved. That's a name. You get blessed. Because your husband had the obedience to be humbled and broken by his father, he got the best seat in the house. I mean, Colossians 3.1. Actually, the whole chapter is unbelievable. No, it's believable. He got the best seat in the house because of all of what we've talked about today and a gazillion other details. He got the right hand of God. So then if you go on in Colossians, it, it, it goes on to say, for we are in Christ, Christ is in you. He is hidden in God and you are seated. He is seated at the right hand of the Most High. So now we have our eternal life, which is Christ's life. You have the cross being crucified with Christ. Romans 6 talks about being buried with him. And then Colossians 3 talks about being raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. (coughs) Which means... You can look at your problems one of three ways. From the cross, Oh, woe is me. I have got problems. That's where most Christians live. They're whiners. I'm sorry, I've been there way too many times not to say it. Then you have those who are living in the tomb. Those are the depressed ones and they're like, I've been there too many times. I'm a tomb dweller. I love going back in there and getting depressed. I think for some reason it's fun for a while to pout. Pouting is depression. So there's those that stay in the tomb and just love to pull the shades down and stay dark. Then you have the Christians who are getting the heavenly perspective and that is they look down on their problems. Set your affections on things above, on things not on the earth. These people look down through an exchange life position of those are earthly problems. I don't look at the person, I don't look at the the circumstances as heavenly but as earthly. Now you can function in the mind of Christ from the right hand of God, Christ in you to deal with the problems. Three different positions of behavior. <coughs> you pick the one you live in and you need to which one you tend to live in most of the time humility if your husband Jesus Christ is in you and you are in your husband and he is hidden in God then place it at the right hand of the most high seriously what do we have to fear I mean, he's in us we're in him Then he's, this is out of Colossians then we're literally hidden in God I do an envelope illustration where I I say, now I got born again and my envelope goes in Christ. And then I take that envelope and I go, and, and God hides Christ in him. So he goes in the God envelope. And then he's seated at the right hand of God, so he's always arm length of the hand of God. And we think Satan can get at Jesus and can get at us. Boy, are we deceived. I want to be a heavenly dweller that looks down upon my problems. And if you need time to process it, God goes, it's okay, you're human. It's called... The, yeah, I keep forgetting to get rid of that thing. <clears throat> Wakes me up every time. Okay, our true or false statement is, we get closer to Christ through actions of righteousness and of course, Ian has the answer. False. False? True. True. Yeah. We got a button pusher coming. Okay, push that button right there, right there. Push button. False. It's turkey talk. Gobble gobble. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You don't understand your position of being in Christ seated at the right hand of God. You're never going to get this. You cannot get any closer to Jesus Christ than you already are right now. There's no closer place to be. If you are an indwell Christian, that is, if you rate... Your intimacy with Christ by having devotions or not having devotions, you are simply a product of being turkeyized. Devotions, studying, has nothing to do with intimacy. Intimacy has, has to do with one thing who's in you and who are you in? It is actually the definition of sexual intimacy as well. It is the only term that is used in the Bible for knowing God or sexual intimacy is to know. To be in her. To be one with your husband. That is intimacy. You can't get any closer than that. You can't practice it. Can't go to marriage seminars to get it. It is because you're one flesh in a marriage. And as a Christian, it is because you're one flesh with Christ. Can't get any closer. So the enemy comes along and says, well let's put some rating systems in the uh, Christian life. So we have to have devotions, we have to have degrees, we have to have, you know, that's what we got to do. I don't think so. So therefore, pride holds the reputation of Satan. That's the ugliest statement I think I came across. Pride holds the reputation of Satan. That's what pride is. You are reflecting his name. You're reflecting his character. So we don't end on that nasty note. I have a song I want us to sing. Thank you for joining us today. Heartland Family Fellowship is a local church plant here in Sterling, Kansas. Our fellowship includes the family in all levels of worship. Our mission is to bring families back together spiritually, relationally, and physically. Many people ask us, what does that really mean, or how does it benefit them? Well, it means that you can bring your entire family to any of Heartland's events, and we will work to keep the focus on God, Jesus Christ, and the body of Christ, without dividing up the family at the front door. If you're interested in learning more about our fellowship or other family-integrated fellowships, please log on to our website. That is www.heartlandfellowships.org. We thank you for joining us. Get yourself and a and a shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus back.